Thanks for checking out the Crossing College and Career podcast. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope this message encourages you and challenges you to walk confidently in your identity in Christ. So I just wanted to, before we get started, I just wanted to kind of brag on you guys a little bit. Um, God is, every time I come up here, I say, and also if I get up from the seat, my, my goal is to like stay seated, but I'm such a pacer, so if I do, and I knock this over, just don't freak out. My, um, what I want to say is I'm so humbled to have this opportunity to have this ministry and to be able to just share with you what God puts on my heart. And I say it every time I come up here, but I really don't take it lightly. And God has done such an amazing 180 in my life to where I can just share exactly where I was and just impart the little bit of knowledge and wisdom that I have. And it's such a blessing to me. And I want you guys to give yourselves a round of applause just for being here. That's it. Just for being here. Whether you're brand new and I don't know you, I love you. Especially these three right here. Just met them today. If you've been here a long time, I love you. I have so much love for exactly where you guys are at. And I just want to express that. I got the opportunity, actually, to do that at Noon Prayer. Um, Noon Prayer is something we have every Wednesday at the church in the main sanctuary, if you don't know. And uh, we get together and just pray and worship. And we have a word over there. But they wanted all the pastors to... Get up and share with the congregation exactly what's been going on in their life. And I had nothing, so I kind of panicked. And for those of you that don't know, I just bought a house. And so I was just going to be like, no, I have to That's what I was going to say. I was going to be like, hey, to Carlson Church, I just bought a house. Jesus is cool. I think I was going to get off the stage. But right before I got up there and I was the next person to speak in line, God just kind of put on my heart and he said, just Tell them what's going on in your life. Tell them what I've done and how amazing this ministry is. Not because of me or anything I have done or ever will do, but because of God and because of the people, you guys, that he's placed here. So I just, from the bottom of my heart, want to say thank you guys for being here. And I love each and every single one of you. You good? Yeah. Good. Awesome. I know, I even got a little emotional up there. I was kind of mad at God. I was like, are you trying to emasculate me or something? But I never get emotional. And I thought I was going to tear up, and I was a little bit upset. But um, I just love hanging out with you guys. I love the stories I hear. I love, especially when you guys come up to me after service, and you're like, man, you hit the nail on the head. Like, that's exactly what I'm going through right now. And I needed to hear that word. Isn't that so cool? Whenever God just does that, whether it's Unite or it could be main service and Pastor Greg Taylor speaking or whoever's teaching, and you're going through something and they talk about exactly what you're going through, and you're like, no way. Have you like been stalking me, you weirdo? I think about Pastor Greg sometimes. I'm like, dude, you've been following me or something. It really makes me uncomfortable. But like, it's so cool whenever that happens. And, you know, whatever that is, what you're going through, you're struggling, you know, with who you are in Christ, and like you don't really know if you're a son or a daughter, you don't believe it, and then like we hit on identity, and you're like, man, that was awesome. Or you don't know where you're going with your job, or what school's ending, or what you have you know, going on in life for the future, and we talk about hope and purpose. Or relationships are huge, you talk about, I don't know, not murdering, you're like, I'm just gonna murder my boyfriend like tomorrow. <laughs> like, thank you for talking about that, because I probably caught a case, to be honest. But whatever it is, you hit on it, and you're like so thankful to God. But tonight, what we're going to talk about, you guys haven't noticed with the acoustic setting and kind of things being a little different and more intimate, is worship and how worthy 
God is of our worship. And some of you, be, you know, may be thinking, like, man, I wish you would address this issue I have going on in my life because I told God before I got to this place, and you don't answer me, I don't know if you love me. Like, I think we can all come in with that attitude sometimes to where we just say, God, I need an answer for exactly what I'm going through right now because I need it. It's about me, and I need to give my blessing before I leave tonight. So if you love me, you're going to give it to me. But I truly, truly believe that if we can increase our view of how big God really is, it will minimize, if not completely eliminate, our problems. Would you guys kind of agree with that? So looking at God kind of from a different lens, because the more value we see in Him, the less value we're going to place on our problems, and they're going to minimize. And what I wanted to do, I had a completely different message, to be honest. I was going to come up here and I was going to say, this is what worship is, this is what it means in Greek, this is what it means in Hebrew, and then we're going to go to some Old Testament, New Testament scriptures. I'm going to give you three ways you can worship better. And then whatever the typical sermon is, but God really just tugged on my heart. Literally on Friday, I was like, man, if you could just tell them how big I really am. And how much I really matter. How worthy he is of worship. And it's really that simple. And I think I myself, and hopefully you guys, I mean, I know you can relate because every single person goes through this. We can kind of get in this trap of, putting God in this small box. And we don't mean to, and there's no malice behind it, and you're not trying to offend God. But what you can do is you put him in this box and you say, okay, God, I recognize you know, you're King of King, you're Lord of Lords, but I need these prayers answered. I need these prayers answered. I need this to work out in my life. And then I also need you, know, you to kind of fix this situation over here. But I still love you, and I still care about you, and you're still great, but I really need this stuff done, like now. And if you think about it, it's kind of selfish. Like, cool, I thought about myself, I'm like, who am I to tell God what I need when I need it? And yes, he, he has the utmost love for us, he wants to hear our prayers, and I'm 100% on board with that, but when we get kind of selfish about it, and it has to be on our timeline, and what we need when we want it, that's where we can kind of get in that dangerous spot of putting God in a box of who we want him to be rather than who he really is. And it got me thinking, um, we have these things called presbytery services next door, and they happen once a year. And if you don't know what they are, um, our apostolic elders of the Crossing Church, uh, amazing man of God, this guy, Pastor Tom Lane, he actually, and him and his whole crew, they come from Texas once a year. And what these guys do is they will, for weeks before the service, they'll start praying, and they'll start getting words from God about specific people who are going to be in that audience that night. And it's the most wild thing ever. And they'll literally pray over this stuff, like I said, for a few weeks, and then they'll come in, and they're like, you with the blue shirt, get up. And they'll give someone a word, and the person will just fall down. And it's like, oh, my God, that was obviously on point. Like, how did they do that? It's kind of scary, to be honest with you. But if you go to this church, I think you can probably agree, and you guys probably do this in your own ways in life. As soon as I started coming here, I was like, Lord, if you love me, you're going to give me a word from these men, because I know you want me to know the will you have for my life, and if you love me, you're going to give it to me. How I want it right here, right now, tonight. I would, I would literally pray that sometimes. 
And I was like, who am I to do that? And look at what's happening now. I'm still waiting on my word, by the way. I haven't gotten it. But God has completely flipped the switch in my life. And like I said before, there's been a complete 180, and I never got my word. So God's doing what he wants to do, but on his timeline. It wasn't how I wanted it. It wasn't at the time that I needed it or anything that I thought it was going to be. It wasn't. But what is happening through me and through this ministry and through you guys is all about him at the end of the day. And that's the point that I want to get across is God is still doing what he wants to do, but they're going to be on his terms and not ours. And the quicker that we understand that, the less stress that you're, you're going to put on yourselves and the less significance you're going to give to the problems you can almost sometimes create. Do you agree? So I want us to start looking at God through a different lens and I mean, just, just imagine how much different services would go. Any service. doesn't matter if it's this one or wherever you're at. If you went in with God's expectation instead of your own, and you emptied yourself of your desires and how you thought it should go, how much more could he do? You didn't think about anything. You didn't have any agenda but God's agenda. I think you would see a glimpse of just something completely different of what worship really means. And you would start to get so much more out of what he wants you to get because he knows that your heart is about him and not yourself. And so I want us to take a quick look at an example of like how big God really is. And we're going to look at it from two different scriptures. So the first one's going to be Ezekiel 126. If you guys want to flip there, there's like a little backstory. Um, so Ezekiel was basically this priest. And at the time uh, that he was writing this, there was, he was exiled with like a bunch of other Israelites. And so he's sitting like on this canal outside of the refugee camp. And he gets this vision of like a storm cloud approaching. And inside this cloud, there's four really weird creatures. And they have wings and their wings are like outstretched and they're all touching each other. And they're holding up like this amazing platform. And that's like where we're going to, um, pick up here, so you guys can look back there. It says, above the vault, over their heads, those angels' heads, was what looked like a throne of lapis lazuli. Really weird word. That's like a shiny, like blue, like metamorphic rock, like crystally, um, just so you know. And then it says, and high above the throne was a figure like that of a man. God. I saw from what appeared to be his waist up, he looked like glowing metal, as if full of fire, and then from there down, he looked like fire, and a brilliant light surrounded him. I think that's so funny because he's like trying to describe what God is like, and he has no idea. He's like, waist up, like fire, and waist down, fire, I guess. I don't really know. And I have no idea. Like, there's no way to describe him, so I just think it's funny how he's doing this. But the next verse says, like the appearance, like the appearance of a rainbow in the clouds on a rainy day, so was the radiance around him. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And when I saw it, I fell face down, and I heard the voice of the one speaking. So here's the voice of the Lord. So I want to pull out that phrase. It says, this was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. So this wasn't like full-on glory of the Lord. It wasn't like the glory of the Lord. It was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of the Lord. And he still couldn't describe that. And that just goes to show you how unexplainable it is. 
And so the word glory in Hebrew, it, it, it's kavod, and it means just like heavy or significant. I think they're just trying to get across is such a heaviness and a significance from what he saw. And then I want to go into Revelation. That's the next part we're going to read. And this also gives you a glimpse of John who wrote this, the vision he saw of God. And this just, the reason I'm going over these, it just makes it a little more real. Because like I said, I think we can put God in like a box sometime, and this is not even his full glory of what these people are describing. But if we can kind of look at him from this lens, I think we'll take what he has to say in our worship more seriously. And so in Revelation 4.3, it says, And the one who sat there had an appearance of jasper and ruby. So this is God. A rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled in the throne. Surrounding the throne, there were 24 other thrones, and seated with them, 24 elders. All these guys, dressed in white, they all had crowns of gold on their heads. So from the throne came flashes of lightning, rumbling, and, and peals of thunder. And then in front of the throne, seven lampstands were blazing. Those were the seven spirits of God. Also in front of the throne, there was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center, around the throne, four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in the front and the back. The first living creature was like a lion, the second was like an ox, the third had the face of a man, and then the fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings, covered with eyes all around, even under the wings, and day and night, so 24-7, never stopping. What they say is, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. And I want, I'll stop there because these are angels, these are beings who are right in front of God. And they can't help but say, there's no room to speak all they say all day, every day, every part of their existence is holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And every single, there's not a lot, but every single instance in the Bible where someone sees the glory of the Lord or sees God in some vision in some way, in some way, shape, or form, the commonality between it all is they can't speak and they fall face down. And I think that's the posture of worship we need to be after. I'm not condoning every person here falling on their face every time they come here. I'm not trying to say that. But if you look how seriously them seeing God in reality, they're right there, these beings, these angels. That's what they do. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I think if we start to take that approach, we will see such a vast difference in our worship experience and our, our experience anywhere. It doesn't matter if it's your quiet time, you have work, you know, you at church, it doesn't matter where you are, if you treat life as a worship experience. It's going to dramatically alter your life. And I want to ask you what you think it would look like if you actually did that. Not even to you, but look at what would it look like to other people around you. That's the scary thing, right? I'm not going to lie. I don't want to fall face down in front of somebody. They're going to make fun. It's going to be weird. They're, they're going to call them weird, and I know. But why, why are we so consumed with the outside opinion when if God is really like this, I should probably be a little more scared of him than I am what someone else says. And I think if other people saw that, they would change too. People don't want another 
you know, description of what Christianity is. They want a demonstration of what it is. You hear so much about what it is, and to be honest with you, I can see from the outside looking in sometimes with my behavior, how someone can say, man, if you think God is really that great, why are you so casual about it? Would you guys agree that Christianity, God, there's so much going on in the news now, it's like a perfect time, like with abortion and LGBT community and all this stuff, it's kind of like Christian versus non-Christian, and it's so easy for everything to get a bad rap now, there's just so much going on. Um, and there's two different truths there, obviously, but at the end of the day, when I think about it, and my lifestyle, I kind of pause for an internal reflection, and I think we all should do this from time to time, and just say, Man, do they actually have a point? Based on not what's true, but what I'm doing, what I'm reflecting is what I'm speaking of. Have I laid my life down in full submission to God so they know what death to self is like? Have I done that? And I ask myself that question, and I'm like, have I, you know, humbled myself just like Jesus did and Philippians, when it talks about he humbled himself to the point of death. He was obedient to the point of death. Even on a cross, it says. Have I humbled myself? And maybe people aren't seeing God for who he is because I haven't paid the price to show them what death is really like to myself and what I want and my desires and my needs. Maybe they don't know what it's like to be fully submitted to worship the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I think people judge the size of our God based on the cost of our worship. So how much is it really costing you? If your God is big, and you see him for who he is, or what we're able to comprehend while we're here, worship is going to be a lifestyle, man. It's going to be who you are. Like, you don't have to do it. You don't get to do it. Like, this is, this is who I am. I'm a worshiper. And by human nature, you guys know what God, he put that in us. <laughs> by human nature, every single person is a worshiper. What you worship, up to you. But there is an innate just churning inside of us that says, I need to worship something. Have you guys ever noticed that like some things take precedence over other things? You can call it whatever you want, but at the end of the day, whatever is at the top of your list, that's what you're worshiping. So with some people, it's money. Some people, it's financial status. Some people, it's appearance and what you look like, what you're going through. Some people, it's family, food. Some people, it's Netflix. Like, you can't tell me you don't worship Netflix when a new season comes on for 14 hours. You are in it. It may not be that bad because you're like, yo, it's one day. Chill. You worship Netflix for one day. I did it, though. Like, I'm not going to lie. I did it like three, two weeks ago. That's why I'm up here saying, like, it's so easy for us to fall into it. And if worshiping God was my lifestyle, I would still watch Netflix. But would I spend, like, three days on it? And then say, all right, God, this isn't going to be a whole lifestyle change. But for three days, you're on the back burner. I'm going to do my quiet time. I'm going to holler at you for, like, ten minutes in the morning. And then i got to get on this show. Typically, you worship for like an hour and you want to get in God's presence. You see what I'm saying, though? 
It's like we kind of pick and choose when and what we want to worship. And I want every single person, myself included, if we could stop holding so tightly to what we want at that time and stop holding so tightly to our problems and everything everything we think is bigger than God. We put a magnifying glass, you know, on our problems when they're right there and we're going through them and they're right in front of us. We're making them bigger than God is. And that's what we do. I think if we can let go of that, we'll encounter a worship experience that is so much deeper and so much relevant and so much more real and lasting if we can just let that stuff go. And I want the worship team, y'all can come up and play these keys and go on. Um, but I want you guys to just start reflecting kind of. And I hope this isn't coming as like, I'm beating y'all up. Because in order for me to talk to y'all about something, like I'm going through it, if not, I just went through it. And God has so much, let me just pause for a second and say, God has so much love and there is so much grace and mercy from him, you have no idea. So don't take this as I'm beating you up. God is relaying this message to you to let you know, just come give me everything. Come give me everything. Why? Because he deserves it. And I want you guys to ask your question, the question to yourself, is my worship, is it calculated? Is it directed towards something specific like my Lord and Savior, or is it misguided by the flavor of the week? Whatever comes up. Is your worship contingent upon what prayers are answered or not answered? Or I've been fasting and praying for this job, I didn't get it. God, I'm, for a week you're done. I've been fasting and I've been praying for a relationship or good grades or for my mom or dad to get saved and I haven't heard it and it's been three weeks and I'm done. Let us stop getting to the point of creating timelines for the God of the universe. And just get to know who he is on the intimate level that he is desiring. He wants it. He wants you to want it. So bad. And I want to bring up Revelation 4.11. It says, Worthy are you, our Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power, for you created all things. That means everything, like everything. That's what all things means in Greek. And because of your will, they existed, and we were created. So worship... We're not giving this to God for what we can get out of it. He's the wealthiest God because he has everything. He created everything. It's all his. God is wealthy. He's able to meet every single want and need. Like, he's able to meet it. He is. But we should be focusing on worshiping him because he's worthy, not because he's wealthy. Let's start focusing on worshiping the worthiness of him and not the wealthiness of what we can get out of it. Romans 12.1 says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Here's the answer. This is like how we do it. 
Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. That's what it's about. I can model a life that is so dead to my fleshly desires that I can offer a sacrifice holy and pleasing to God saying, God, I'm still not perfect. I'm going to sin, I guarantee you. But I'm doing everything I can to die to myself to give you true and proper worship because you are worthy. Why? Because you are God. I can't afford to worship anything else. I can't. We add, no, we add nothing to God by worshiping him. He is so selfless. He, he gives it because it benefits us. And until you see it as a benefit, you're not going to do it. But my prayer is that you guys are so touched and God shows and reveals himself in such a way to you that you can do nothing but fall on your knees and say, God, you're worthy. Not because of anything you're going to do for me for the rest of my life, but because I see you as the one true God, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. You're my everything. You are everyone's everything. God is he's big enough to rule the entire universe, but at the same time, he's small enough to live inside of your heart, to incline his ear to your most intimate cries. He's big and small at the same time. It's so nuts to me. But he cares so much. He loves you so much. And the reason he wants us to worship him is because he knows at the end of the day that's the best thing for us. That's what's going to give us full life. Life more abundantly. Life to the fullest. There's nothing too big for him. There's nothing too complex for him. There's nothing he can't solve. He wants to celebrate your victories. He wants to be there for you when you just got cut from the team, when you failed every single class, when you broke up with that person you thought you were going to marry. Like, he is there. It does not matter. So my challenge to you is to not let external circumstances dictate how you worship God. Never let what's going on around you and what you think he should be like or what his presence should feel like or what blessings I should be getting dictate your worship for the creator of the entire universe. He took the time to number the hairs on your head. Every person here and then like everyone that ever existed and will exist. That just in itself without everything else in the world going on is crazy to me. But we can't comprehend it, man. My, my, I just want to urge you guys to please not let your problems get bigger than the God who is there to solve them. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. He's in such a good mood right now. He is so pumped to each and every single one of you are here listening to the word that he has for you. He wants to be in relationship with you. The best way to get the most you can out of that relationship is to die to everything else and to worship Him for the God that He is. So I want everyone to bow their heads. And if you have not had the opportunity to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's the most important thing you can do to enter that relationship with Him. 
so he can show you the height, the depth, the width of his love. That's all he wants. Surrender and to flip your life upside down. So I'm going to give us that opportunity. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Say, Lord, I surrender. I need a Savior. I'm asking you to forgive me of all my sins. God, I let go of my past. And I want to live the life that you have for me. Come into my heart and change me, Lord. Jesus' name. Now this night is special, so we're going to go into a time of worship um, again. And what I want you guys to do, if you can, not for me, not for your neighbor, but for yourself, your, your spirit, your soul, for you and God. Let this be about you and him. Let him flip the, flip the switch. Let him do it. Take a posture of complete submission and letting go of everything and see what happens. There's literally nothing you're going to lose. God wants nothing more than to have an intimate experience with you. So let's all stand If you enjoyed this podcast, be sure to check out the Crossing Church Message podcast with Pastor Greg Davis. Once again, thank you so much for listening.